In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. As always, when we when we do our prayer, it is uh, it is very helpful for us to use the Gospel, the Word of God, inspired Word of God, to help us uh, to open up horizons and and to pray to pray with what that divine word that the Lord wants us to reflect on and to apply to our life. Well, if we go to chapter 24 of the Gospel of St. Matthew, we read all about the second coming, right? Jesus came, he came once in, uh, on earth as a, as, a, as a baby and then grew up on this earth but he also promised that he would eventually come again the second time and that there would be a judgment and that we would all have to give an account of our life. Right? We'll, we'll certainly have to give an account of our life when we die, eventually. And uh, everything we've received in this life, you have all received something, I've received something, uh, many things, few things. And um, even if our life goes, humanly speaking, very well, let's say you become, let's say, I don't know, you become wealthy and successful and you work in one of those big towers or even build a big tower in the downtown or something or you get prizes and, and recognition for your work or maybe you have a big family and uh, your children become famous or something like that. Um, that, that would be all good, of course, right? if you were to get lots of human recognition. But in the end, in the end, it is God himself who will give us the real prize. Right? The prize of eternal life. Like you can get all the prizes, you can get all the recognition, all the success, all the glory here on earth. and that Well, it's not a bad thing, but in the end the real one that we want to strive for ultimately is eternal life. And that's why this chapter, both chapter 24 and chapter 25, is for us a stirring call to responsibility. Not fear, or not meant, it's not meant to cause a, an attitude of kind of forced submission kind of obeying God and obeying what He's given us and, and being like terrified of Him but true sense of responsibility. And, well, that's what's recounted there. In chapter 24, he talks about the need for watchfulness and so forth, and uh, um, the wicked the, the servants and so forth, and the, the wicked servants who didn't take care of what they'd been given. But then when we come to um, the chapter 25, it's the whole story or the um, the parable of the talents the parable of the talents and that means it's the practical application of that responsibility because we have a guy you know a householder so it kind of represents god who has his servants and he is entrusted them with his property so the the householder has a property 
He has his servants. And it says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. Each according to his ability. And then he went away. He went away. We don't know where this guy went, but he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. And so also he who had two talents made two more. But he who had one, received one talent, went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. And now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. See, settled the accounts. God will settle accounts with our life too. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And the same thing happens to the one with the two talents. I have given you two more. He says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And then, of course, we know what happened to the guy who had one talent. He who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not winnow. So I was afraid that I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. You have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not winnow. And you ought to have invested my money with bankers and at my coming should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, he will, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast this worthless servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's like, wow, it's really tough. It's a, it's a you know, so we shouldn't think this is just a nice story, you know, um, it's clear that there are in the world different men some people have five talents some people are very qualified some people have great abilities some people know how to do music they know how to do accounting they know how to do sports they know <laughs> others well they're not that good they have two talents you know and we all intuit this at school people have different abilities different qualities some are very talented in math uh, others in the arts uh, some can really speak right and, um, uh, you know, others can speak and speak and speak, and they just should, like, be a little bit more quiet, you know, sometimes. But, uh, and, of course, when we're young, it is somewhat hard to identify all our talents because they come quite naturally. But we also understand that talents are really ultimately like a treasure that must be safeguarded and developed. Not just safeguarded, like put into the ground, but developed developed. Otherwise, the talents that we have received, the qualities, and among that is the fact that that you're in a good family and all that. Otherwise, if we don't develop those talents, those qualities, those abilities, that intellect, well, what happens? What happens if you put something into the ground? It stagnates. It rots. It goes bad. And we don't want the qualities, the, the talents that God has given us to stagnate. Hmm? And 
There are surely out there in this country, in this city, in this world, many, many people who have, God has given many talents. He's given them intelligence. He's given them artistic flair. He's given them the ability to entertain others. He's given them mathematical minds. They can uh, know how to do calculus. They can do computer programs. Some of them are, they have physical talents, right? prowess. But each one has to develop this and make it grow and from what it is now to what it can become. So there's probably a lot of people out there that are that can do amazing things, but very often they just kind of, it happens that, they kind of just stay mediocre. They don't develop those talents. Probably Canada has a lot of uh, Olympic, uh, you know, Olympic athletes or a lot of programmers, but we got to develop them, right? And our youth, especially before you go enter university and also eventually when you enter university, is a time of discovery. It's now that we have to exercise our talents, make them bear fruit. It's a time of opportunity. And sometimes these opportunities are hard to see. So that's why in our, in our moment of prayer now with our Lord, because we have Jesus here in the tabernacle, we have to ask Him, Lord, help me see my talents and so help me to see the opportunities that you are giving me every day to develop them. You know, like, for example, the, you probably heard that story many years ago of a large shoe manufacturer. You know, here we have the, uh, this, uh, this museum called uh, the, the, the Shoe Museum, the Beta, Bata, Bata Shoe Museum. This was a guy who, who was uh, from a small town in, um, just between uh, here and Kingston, and he developed shoes. He, he just started manufacturing shoes, and he made a big empire out of it. Well, it's not this guy in particular, but there was another shoe manufacturer in the States who, uh, who decided... Um, no, he wasn't in the States, sorry, he was in Australia. And he decided to send two sales representatives to the Australian outback because he wanted to grow his business, right? And um, so, you know, the company's crazy sales manager thought he could drum up a shoe business uh, among all those tribes of people living off the land. Right? Sort of the aboriginals that just live off the land. So he said, okay, I'll send one representative to the east and the other one to the west. And as I understand, more or less, they have similar tribes out there. And... This took place a number of years ago. So one representative, sales rep, sent a telegram. That was before email. He sent a telegram. And, and the sales manager tore up the telegram, tore open the telegram. Actually, he received two telegrams. And the first one was from one. And it said, in this area, there's no business possible. The natives don't wear shoes. So we can't make any business. The second guy sent a telegram and it said, great business opportunity, natives don't wear shoes. <laughs> so it's a great opportunity for us. So where one guy saw a dead end, another saw an opportunity. And opportunities abound to us for those who really want to see them, who, who have this 
high calling, this, this, this drive in the way we approach a challenge and, uh, and uh, embrace it. Is it possible that we have some dormant talents that we need to dig up like this guy who dug his talent into the ground? And uh, we want to really one day hear those words that the master of the household said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you a great responsibility. Or I will entrust you with much. Well done. That's what we, I mean, at the end of our life, would that we would hear that. Well done, good and faithful servant. And so, even among successful people who have a good family, a good house, good job, it is always so sad to see wasted talent. Because people never plan to squander their talents. They never plan to do that. And certainly when you're young, you dream about making use of your talents. And, and so they may fail to use them, usually not because they decide to ignore them, but simply because they never really decide to make them fruitful. And, um, and that's why this parable is so vivid. We can end up in our life being like that third servant, just digging a hole in the ground. And we have to see how this applies to ourselves. Uh, so what talents have I not developed? Maybe we think, I'm not very good in this sport. Okay, that's okay. But maybe it's just because you haven't really developed it. Maybe you haven't developed, I don't know, tennis. Not that it's, not that, the, that it's the most important sport, but maybe you haven't, you're bad at tennis because you haven't developed it. Or running because you haven't developed it. We all have abilities. We all have, let's say, natural aptitudes, strengths, qualities, capacities. And all I have to do is see how I can fine-tune them. Maybe we've stayed a bit clumsy in one area or another. I mean, imagine you're standing in front of God in judgment. He's judging you. And He's holding out His hand in expectation. And He says to you, Where is the uh, novel? And you go, What? Novel? What do you mean novel? Yeah, I gave you the talent to write novels. Oh yeah? You did? Yeah. You had the capacity. When you were a teenager, you had the capacity to write amazing novels like that could rival uh, Tom Clancy, that could rival uh, Frederick Forsyth. Well, these are, you know, famous, uh, you know, uh, thrillers. Uh, or even rival other great authors. And you say, oh, that's why I, I kind of liked writing. I didn't know that you want me to develop that. You know? Well, that's why I gave you that person and this person and this opportunity. And uh, some people will have done that. And they have to, you know, and so that's why we have to pray about it. Ask the Lord to help us see what are the talents that He has given us. And that's why we need a kind of a sense of urgency about this. We can't dawdle around. Some people, it is true, prefer to live a kind of a comfortable life without a sense of urgency because, well, it's all good. 
maybe they feel kind of sheltered. Their parents maybe have made them feel sheltered. You know, I heard that in, in the 1950s and 60s, if you went to U.S. artillery school, many, many of the recruits over the decades during those times, let's say, like after the war, like 50s and early 60s, 1960s, the people observed something is that those students were tended to be, for some reason, very relaxed and... Um, and they didn't excel, but that's during that period, right? And, and the instructors were wondering, what's going on? We're not getting through to these recruits. Right? But then, in 1965, a whole bunch of attitudes changed. Right? Suddenly, all the recruits that started coming in started studying more intently. They took notes. They started asking questions. They improved. Right? And... Of course, the syllabus was no different. The instructions were not, strictly speaking, any different. The faculty was the same. But they realized that those recruits, they were now headed for the front lines of the Vietnam War. And so it was, it was urgent that they knew what they were doing. But the guys before that didn't have the sense of urgency about a war. They had come out of a war, maybe, right? Or, uh, and so... They were not on the front lines. And uh, well, we're maybe not, uh, strictly speaking, in a war like, like those guys. But we have to think that the devil has his, his uh, sheems. And we are, in some ways, in the front lines of battle against the devil. Who prowls about the world seeking the ruin of souls, as St. Peter says. The, the, the devil prowls around. So, like, if he's prowling around, you know, it's not that life is a horror story or something, but it's, uh, but we have to be careful, right? He wants us to become very comfortable. He wants us not to develop anything. As St. Paul says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know, that's, that's like a, he sees the, the importance of urgency of struggle. Perhaps you remember the first point of The Way. I don't know if some of you have read The Way by St. Josemaria. It's a beautiful book. It's, it's just got these short little aphorisms and sayings, right? And uh, it has, well, it was written originally in, I think, 19... 38 or something like that in, the, uh, in Spanish and then has different translations. And the first point, point number one, when you read it, depending on your attitude, can leave you like, meh, like that. But others, is like an electroshock, right? It, it jolts them into faith, a faith in case their faith might be slumbering along. This is what he says. And there are different translations. Some of them are better than others. He says, Don't let your life be sterile. Or, or the other translation, Don't let your life be barren. Be useful. Blaze a trail. Shine forth with the light of your faith and your love. With your apostolic life, wipe out the trail of filth 
and slime left by the impure sowers of hatred and light up or set aflame all the ways of the earth with the fire of Christ that you bear in your heart. It's, a, it's this beautiful idealism that he had and, and that he, he set so many young people on fire with to set to set a light you know your faith and your love lord i know as i do my prayer that i want to carry in my heart it's not just a personal desire but really to to make those talents that you've given me that you've entrusted with me to make them grow is there anything that i need to dig up is there anything that i need to dig up I mean, imagine you've been given a plot of land in the city, and uh, imagine that. You've given a plot of land in, in Toronto, somewhere, and sometimes you see that, right? There's plots of land, and some of them are just left empty, garbage piles up, graffiti, the city surrounds the, the piece of land with cement blocks, so you can't even use it to park. Or... You can see that plot of land and you can see the needs. You could say, well, we could build an arena here. We could uh, do a proper senior's home, a soup kitchen, decent looking apartments, a greenhouse, a good project of some kind. Well, to do that, it's not easy. You need negotiation, fundraising, complications. But we've been given that plot of land. And I've seen that in, in some cities. There's just plots of land. There's, there's just squandering. It's just wasting away. Let's not be like that. Let us. And the first thing we have to do, the first ammunition we need, like those recruits, is not an AK-47, but the first ammunition we need is a life of prayer. A real friendship with the Lord Jesus, a life of prayer, and, and He'll... He'll make us more attuned to the, the, the talents that He has given us. If we pray and we ask Him for life, for light rather. Our, our Blessed Mother will help us, for intercede for us. And she'll help us develop those marvelous talents that the Lord dreams to see develop in you. So that your life not be sterile. I thank you, my God for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.